shell on the back of it. If you may be familiar with what a camper shell is. Uh, anyway, it came loose, blew off, and it uh, went through the windshield of a car that was following and immediately took the life of a young driver. The pickup driver never stopped. To this day, we don't know who it was. They went on and didn't turn back. Now, at the point where the canopy came off of the pickup, there was no criminal act involved. But there was a criminal act because that driver never turned back, never stopped, and never said, I did it, it was my canopy, I'm responsible, I'm to blame. Never have found out who did it. I was going to uh, look up the statistics, maybe you know them, I was going to Google the statistics of people who get away with a crime, that just get off and do not have to pay a penalty. There is no retribution, the crime is committed, the individual goes scot-free. Now, we have a sense in ourselves, a sense of justice that says that when someone does something wrong, especially to someone else, they should take responsibility and have to suffer the consequences of that act. Now, we, we believe that criminally, in our, and that's why our criminal courts are set up. We believe that socially, and we believe that politically. Ingrained in the human consciousness is a desire to see books evened out. We, we want to see that any injustice or any disaster or crime that is committed from one person to the next is visited with a punishment that is... Uh, commensurate with the crime or with the misdeed. Our courts are established that. Every society has that concept, modern and ancient. And that is that if you do something wrong to someone else, you must pay the consequences. You must be held responsible. And so we have a, a, a large system, court system, that says we, we want to hold people responsible for their acts. And we have lawyers lined up to help us go to court in civil matters. If we believe we've been wronged by a neighbor or someone nearby, we want them to pay the consequences of that act. Uh, we, we, want, we want retribution. We, we feel like retribution is, is necessary. You may have seen on the news recently, as I did, a woman was driving one of these little green scooters you've seen around town that you rent, and they're powered, and she ran into a hole in the, in the street, and she ended up breaking her arm and damaging her knee and scraping herself up. And so she decided that somebody was responsible for her wrecking her scooter. And so she's suing the city because they should have covered the hole in the road, even though she wasn't supposed to be in the road. But she's suing the city for the hole in the road. 
and she's suing the scooter company because they didn't give her adequate training on riding the scooter. What she's doing is she's saying, I want satisfaction for something that's happened to me. So when, when we have been wronged, we expect someone to take responsibility. And it's not just civil, it's criminally. When someone, for instance, rapes a young girl or molests a child, we want that person to pay the penalty. Someone kills someone, we, we feel like, whether it's the death penalty or life imprisonment, when it's murder in the first degree, like we see so often, we feel like, in our sense, that there should be a penalty for that and someone needs to pay that price. And we know that individually, we know that politically, we know that on the local level, we know that on the state level, on the national level, and the international level. The courts in Nuremberg that set up, there were 13 of them, between 1946 and 1950 or 52, these courts held Nazi Germany, the, those who perpetrated the atrocities on the nations around them, held them responsible for war crimes. And we feel like that's right. That should have been done. And we still feel that's right. And if there are any war crimes that are committed in this day and time, they go before a war crime tribunal. Now, the, the person that lost the camper shell was, was responsible for murder. It's called negligent manslaughter. They didn't do it on purpose, but nevertheless they did it. And they were to blame for it. And we say within ourselves, they should have stepped up and taken responsibility. They really should have. And anyone who commits a crime and does an injustice to someone else, we feel like they need to take the blame. Step up and take the blame. Because it's your responsibility. There are some... There, <laughs> There are some, some people who, be, who believe that not only are other people to blame for disasters, but God's to blame. We call some disasters acts of God, as if God is criminally acting against us. Well, that's, of course, taking it a little bit far. But at the same time, we believe that there should be a responsibility of individuals who do things that are wrong. Now, the reason I had this text read this morning in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, was because Jesus had the, made the statement, repent. Now, we sometimes read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we read right over those texts. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying repent. Do you know why he's saying that? What he's saying is, there is a judgment coming. There's a judgment coming. Now, I'm going to read some lengthy texts in the Bible. If you have a Bible, if you can get one from the pew, whatever, let me give you some information about the Bible. The Old Testament contains 39 books, and they're divided into books of history and poetry, prophecy, and law. So if you were to say, which books are which? We'd say, well, there are five books of law, 
There are five books of, or twelve books of history, five books of prophets, or five books of poetry. Let me make sure I get this straight. Five books of poetry, five books of major prophets, and five books of minor prophets. Okay, that's got it. Five, twelve, five, five, twelve. If you open your Bible, almost in the middle, you'll be in the book of Psalms. Okay. So if you're in the book of Psalms, in the middle, go with me to chapter 94. Psalms chapter 94. That's toward the end of it. There are 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. But in Psalms chapter 94, what I want you to see is what Israel was feeling when Jesus came and when John the Baptist came. They were feeling the pressure of an impending judgment. What they were feeling was what the Old Testament had predicted. And that was that God was going to come and judge the world and hold those who were criminally wrong responsible. He was coming to judge. So in Psalms chapter 94, I'm going to begin reading verse 1. I'm reading from the King James. Here's what the text says. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs. O God, to whom vengeance belongs, show yourself. Lift up yourself, you judge of, of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the work, workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say the Lord won't see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, you brutish among the people, and you fools, when you will, will you be wise? He that plants the ear, shall he not hear? He that forms the eye, shall he not see? He that chastises the heathen, shall he not correct? He that teaches man's knowledge, shall he not know? The Lord knows the thought of man, that they are vanity. Now, he's talking about a judgment that is coming. I'm going to show you some other texts, too that talk about this. There are lots of them in the Old Testament. And what was happening was, by the time Jesus got here, the only nation in the world that had a book like this was Israel. And by the time Jesus got here, they were anticipating that he was going to settle scores. He was going to judge the world. Now, I started to mention to you a while ago the fact that... that uh, we, we hold everything, everything, everybody to blame for certain things. However, there's some things that, that have come down to us where we say, well, it's, it's too much trouble to, to place blame. And sometimes it is. And so we have sometimes no-fault insurance, which means if something happens to your car, it doesn't make any difference whether you were to blame or the other fellow was to blame in the accident. The insurance comes are going to pay off. That's because it's too much trouble to make a judgment. It costs too much to go to court. And the same thing came up with the idea of divorce in most courts. In most states now, there is a no-fault divorce, which means you can go to court and you don't have to prove that you've, been, that you've been misused, mishandled, and abused. All you have to do is say, I don't want to live together anymore. And the court will allow the no-fault divorce. It happens. That's what our court system is set up for at this point. But, but, the Bible says God is going to judge the wicked. 
He's going to hold them responsible. And that's what these people were anticipating. That he was going to come, and he was going to come rather soon. In the days of Jesus, the, the, the time had been fulfilled, basically. And they were saying, it's on us. He's here to judge us. He's going to judge us. We sometimes think of judgment like in, in two phases. A reward and a punishment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like Santa Claus. That's good. I'll wait till she finishes. <laughs> so we tell our children, if you are good, you'll get a present. You'll get something in your sock. And if you're bad, if, if you're a bad child, you're going to get a lump of coal in your sock. That's basically not what judgment was going to be about that they were concerned about. They were concerned that when the judgment came, God was going to hold people responsible for their misdeeds, for their miscreant behavior. So if you murdered someone, you're going to have to face the judge. If you stole someone, you're going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to pay the judge. Now I want you to look in, in the Psalm, or not Psalm, I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 42. So just keep turning from Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. So now in Isaiah chapter 42, here is another statement concerning the coming of judgment. Now these prophecies were made in the Old Testament pointing forward to the time of Jesus. And so in Psalms chapter 42 at verse 1, he says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my, my elect, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. The word Gentile simply means nations. He will not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench, until he bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Judgment was coming. Excuse me just a minute. Judgment was coming and they knew it. They knew it was on the way. So Jesus is saying, repent. What's he saying? He's saying, get your act together. Change your thinking and change your ways because you're getting ready to face judgment. Somebody, this one in Isaiah 42, is going to come and hold you accountable and set judgment. Now there are lots of texts in the Old Testament like this, but these are the ones I want to read. Now I want to read one in Joel. Isaiah, Hosea, let's go from Isaiah over to Hosea, and we have to go through Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, then we get to Hosea, and after Hosea is Joel. And that's the one I want to read. Joel chapter 1 and at verse 15. And that text says, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. For you Bible students in this audience, this is the term Lord's Day. And when you read in the book of Revelation chapter 1, John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. So you have to take a different look, maybe, than you've looked at the book of Revelation before. Because he was talking about the day of judgment that is we're talking about here. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 19, 
makes this promise. And it's the same one as you find in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30. And that promise was, I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance belongs to me. So we look at someone and say, well, it looks like they got away with that crime. They killed these people. They abused these people. They molested these folks. They shot them. They did all these things. But they got off. But you say, well, wait a minute. Did they really get off? Because God said, I will repay. He said, I'll repay. So they didn't really get off. And we don't get off. But in, in, included in that, in that uh, warning, in that threat, was also the promise that there would be a safe haven for those to whom judgment was coming. Now let's go back to Isaiah chapter 35. Because involved in that coming of judgment, there's going to be someone who's going to stand up and help. So in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 and 4, it says, Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, He will come, wait a minute, and save you. Oh, look at there. God's going to come to judge, but He says He will come to judge and he will save you. We're going, to do, we're going to deal with that in just a second. When John the Baptist came to this earth before Jesus, he was six months older than Jesus. They were sort of cousins. And so he came, and when he came, he came preaching repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He came preaching repentance. So I want you to look with me in the book of Luke in chapter 3 and see what John had to say. He's talking to people that are trembling over the idea that God is coming to judge the world. So in chapter 3 of Luke, and at verse 3, talking about John the Baptist, said he came into the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. What John is saying is, judgment's coming. It's on the way. It's, it's near, as a matter of fact. And Jesus said it was near. Judgment is coming. And he says, For it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, the crooked shall be made straight, the rough way shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now that's a little different. But then the multitude came to him and said, and here are these people, you know what they're worried about? Judgment is on the way. We're going to have to answer to God for our misdeeds. And so he said, he looked out and he said, O generation of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? There was wrath on the way. Bring forth therefore fruit, meat for repentance, and say not within yourself, we have Abraham to our father. So some of them were saying, well... You, you're going to get it, but I'm not going to get it. Because Abraham's my father. I belong to a long line of people that God likes, and he likes us. He likes my family. Abraham, I'm his part of his family. You're in trouble, I'm not in trouble. So John said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? 
And he said, don't say within yourself, we have Abraham to our father, but I say to you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Now also the axe is laid on the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. Now listen, it's, it's cut down and cast into the fire. The Bible uses the term hell in the New Testament 11 times. Jesus used that word 10 of those 11 times. A burning hell. That's what, that's what it is. It's as hell fire, hell, hell fire and brimstone. And he says, these will be cut down and cast into that fire. And the people ask him, saying, what shall we do? What shall we do? And he answered and said to them, if you've got, if you've got two coats, give one away. Simple enough, wasn't it? And he said uh, to the publicans, they said, uh, what, what do we do? And he said, don't take any more money than you're supposed to. Don't cheat anybody. And the soldier said, what should we do? And he said, don't, don't, be, don't be bullies. Don't do any violence to any man. Neither accuse any falsely and be content with your wages. Now Jesus came preaching the same thing. Now, some of those who listened to John said, okay, we recognize that there's going to be a judgment and it's coming soon. It's on its way. It's imminent. If I were to tell you that judgment is going to be set tomorrow, what would you do? That's what they're saying. What should we do? He said, okay, you got two coats, give one away. Don't cheat anybody and quit being a bully. So he's telling them, get ready real quick. Get ready real quick. Some of them did. Some did. And it said they, they justified John being baptized of John in Luke chapter 7, 29, 30. But the Pharisees and the leaders said, hey, we're okay. We don't need to get ready because we're okay. We haven't done anything wrong. So they weren't baptized of John. Jesus said, I'll tell you what, and, and I want you to read with me in Luke chapter 11. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a sign that I'm here and that things are going to change and there are going to be some problems. And the sign he said he was going to give them was the sign of the prophet Jonah. You've heard of Jonah, haven't you? Jonah was a fellow that was swallowed by the fish. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to warn these people. They're, they're, they've become so corrupt, I'm going to have to destroy them. So he sent Nineveh on that journey. Or sent Jonah on the journey from Nineveh. Anyway, Jonah got in a boat. He was, he was coming from Tarshish, going to Nineveh. So he got in the boat, decided he would run away from the Lord. And they had a storm and everybody threw everything over that they could until they finally decided it wasn't things they needed to throw over, somebody they needed to throw over. And so Jonah got up and said, well, it's me. And so they threw him out. He was swallowed by a fish. And he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then he was cast up on the shore by Nineveh. And God said, go tell the children of Nineveh that I'm in 40 days I'm going to destroy these people. And so he went, and he, he, he told them that. 
And you know what they did? They repented. And so God did not destroy them. And that aggravated Jonah. Because Jonah thought, he, and he told God that. He said, you know what? He said, I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were not going to destroy them. And so he sat down to watch and to see if God would do it as a favor to him. Go ahead and destroy them. And God didn't. And Noah and Jonah pouted about it. But the point is that there was a judgment that was spoken of. And God said he was going to bring it. And Jonah said, repent. And the people repented. Now, the judgment was coming, though. And the, these people were not repenting. They weren't repenting. They weren't turning back. They weren't saying, we're, we're, we're going to change. In all the teaching of Jesus, you say, well, that was John. How about Jesus? You know, in all the parables that Jesus taught, in all the stories that he taught, he always ended up with the idea that one of these days, you're going to have to answer for your life. You're going to have to pay the piper. You're going to have to pay up. You're going to have to settle the books. He talked about building on the right foundation. If you didn't, the house would be destroyed. He talked about tares and wheat, weeds in among the wheat. They'd eventually be weeded out, and he would take the tares and he would burn them. He, t he talked about standing before the judgment throne, the sheep and the goats. The sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left. Those on the right hand would go into everlasting life and those on the left hand would be destroyed. He talked about a judgment. And he, he never changed his theme on that. Matter of fact, he came preaching. That's the text that we read this morning. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But involved in that, when he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, involved in the idea of repentance was the safe haven. He was saying, okay, you have to repent, but I'm giving you a place where you can seek refuge, and it's called the kingdom. If you come into the kingdom, then you won't be subject to judgment. That's what he said. So now then, here's a safe haven. And it's called a refuge over in Isaiah, or over in, yes, Isaiah chapter 25 and at verse 4. A refuge in the time of storm. There was a storm coming. He called it the gospel of the kingdom. In John chapter 3, verse 3 through 6, you remember Nicodemus came to him and he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom. What Jesus was saying was, if you can get into the kingdom, you don't, you don't have to face the judgment. Neighbor, I want you to keep in mind that the judgment was, at that time, was coming. It was coming. They knew it was coming. Jesus said, it's coming. And it was not coming in our day, it was coming in their day. That, that's important to understand. The judgment was coming in their day. And he said, there's going to be a safe place for you when the judgment sweeps down over the world. And he said, the safe place for you is the kingdom. You can come into the kingdom. Now, some of the scribes, the lawyers, and so forth, 
Jesus told him in, in Matthew chapter 23, he said, he said, you haven't come into the kingdom and you're keeping everybody else out. You're not coming in. You're keeping everybody else out. Have you ever played tag? Anybody ever played tag? I did when I was a kid. You know what? I was it most of the time. But sometimes, sometimes I could get the other guy. And yet there was one place where, where we, we, we didn't have to worry. And that was at home base. Isn't that right? Did you have a home base? If you could get to home base, you couldn't be tagged. When you got out of the home base, we decided what the home base was. If you got out of the home base, you could be tagged and you could be it. There's also this, this concept of King's X. What's King's X? Well, you cross your fingers like King's X. I, you, you can't touch me. Jesus, Jesus was coming to give us a King's X, to give them a King's X. He was coming to give them a home base, a safe base. He stated that he could free those who believed in him from judgment. Listen, in John chapter 8, and I'm going to start reading verse 21. In John 8 at verse 21, he said this, and we sometimes miss what he's talking about because we miss the fact that, that the, the whole world was sitting, waiting for God to set judgment and for, and for him to get... Every, to judge everybody and hold everybody responsible. John eight twenty one. Jesus said to them, I go my way and you'll seek me. You'll die in your sins. Where I go, you can't come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he said, whether I go, you can't come. And he said unto them, <coughs> pardon me, you're from beneath, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you'll die in your sins. If you believe not that I'm he, you shall die in your sins. Now, what if they believed that he was the Son of God? King's X. <laughs> King's X. You can't tag me. I'm, I'm, in sa I'm safe. And at verse 32, you know what he said? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free of what? Free of responsibility for misdeeds. Oh, there you have it. If you know the truth, it will make you free. You don't have to give an account for what you did. That's what he's telling them. That's what he tells us. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Now, judgment came. You know, we miss it. But judgment came. God judged the world. Did you know that? God judged the world. Isaiah chapter 53. <laughs> and we'll wait, wait for that lady to finish up again. In Isaiah chapter 53, God brought judgment. And you know what happened? When I was a kid, and I was with other kids, and we did something wrong, and either the parent or the teacher came in and said, who did it? Sometimes one of us would stand up and even though we didn't do it, we'd take the blame. Isn't that right? You ever do that? Somebody has to take the blame. 
for the bad behavior. You know what happened on the day of judgment? Jesus stepped up and he said, I take the blame. I take the blame. Everything that anyone had ever done wrong up until that date, God said, I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling everything into judgment right now. Everything is in judgment. You know where it took place? On the cross of Calvary. That's when Jesus stepped up and said, I'm guilty. I did it. It was me. Blame me. I'll take the punishment. Have you ever had anybody take the blame for you? My sister didn't take the blame. She usually got me to take the blame. She's dead now. I can talk about her. <laughs> I loved her. She loved me. But when we were kids, I was the one that took the blame. I didn't do it voluntarily, by the way. <laughs> Jesus took the blame. He said, you lied. You lied. Okay. That's all right. I'll take, I'll take the blame. Punish me. And that's what happened. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4 says, Surely He's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. With His stripes we are healed. Wow. Judgment took place on the hill of Calvary 2,000 years ago when Jesus stood and took the blame. He was judged for all of humanity. He took the blame. Well, he said, I'm the one, Father, I'm, I'm guilty. He said, punish me. Cast me into outer darkness. You know, when Jesus on the cross, when he was dying, he said, he said, Father, forgive them. Why? Because he said, hold me responsible. Whatever they did, hold me responsible. Here was Herod that killed all the children under three years of age. And Jesus said, blame me, Father. Hold me responsible for that. Here was, here was a whole world full of people who had done all sorts of atrocious, nasty, dirty, vicious, ungodly things. And Jesus said, it's my fault. I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. Wow. Well, that was judgment. Judgment fell on the cross of Calvary. You say, well, it didn't seem like such a big deal. He just died on the cross. When you read the book of Revelation, you begin to see what all disturbances were going on when Jesus was on the cross. That's what the Revelation is all about. You can't see a whole lot of it in the text in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It seems to be sort of a quiet thing. But heaven was being shaken. There was an earthquake. The lights of heaven went out when he died. There was a darkness that fell over the whole earth when Jesus died because the Father could not watch while his son suffered and not stop it because Jesus was saying take it out on me take it out on me 
Well, that's what Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And he told them that the same Jesus whom you have crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. They, they jumped up and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They knew what was going on. You know what? They were more aware of this business of punishment and retribution than we are, I think. Because God had given them a system. And in that system was a sacrificial system where every year, every year, once a year at the Day of Atonement, and that Day of Atonement fell, I think, on the seventh month, the fourteenth day, something like that. And that's when the priest had, they, they brought the priest two goats. One, well, they're both goats, both rams, they're both boy goats, male goats. And they, they cast lots and decided which one was which. One of them was sacrificed me. All the sacrifices, by the way, they ate. They were having meals. And the other, other goat, he said, what we're going to do is we're going to put all the sins of the people on the head of this goat and send him off in the wilderness. And that was because God realized, God knows, that after a while you get to thinking, we've got to blame somebody for, for, for bad things that happen, don't we? We've got to blame somebody. I have to blame somebody. If I get sick, I've got to blame somebody. Somebody infected me. I've got to blame somebody for something that's bad that's gone on in my life. I have to blame someone. So God said, here's what we're going to do. All of these things, that, all these bad things you've been doing, we're going to put them on the head of this goat. We're going to run it off in the wilderness. And symbolically, there goes all your sins. So don't worry about it. All the blame is right there. Every bad thing that happened in Israel went off in the wilderness and that goat. Uh, what, not too long ago, maybe it's been two or three years, in the NFL, the little kickers, the guy that kicks the extra point and field goals, usually little guy, he doesn't do a lot of ball playing as such. He just kicks the football. And usually, or sometimes, the game comes down to whether or not he can kick a field goal or an extra point. And you know what they call him? They say he's either the hero or the goat. Did you know that? I don't know how long they've been using that term, but it's been about two or three years. Why do they call him the goat? If he misses the goal, they blame him for losing the game. That's what this goat was in Israel. Blame him. Send him off into the wilderness. You know who the goat was on Calvary? Jesus. Jesus was the goat. Anything went wrong, blame Jesus. That's what was done. That's what they were doing. Now I'm going to take you to our judgment. You want to go? Go with me. Let's, get, let's go to judgment. We know that there's going to be a judgment. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31, Paul, this is after Jesus was judged, Paul said when he was preaching to the uh, on Mars Hill, to the Grecians, the very smart people, the philosophers, he said, God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world by that man whom he hath appointed, by which also he raised him from the dead. He said, God's appointed a day. There's going to be a judgment. I believe that. I believe there's going to be a judgment. 
Hebrews 9.27 says that, uh, that it's appointed unto man once to die, after this the judgment. And in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 10, the text says that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things which we've done in this body, whether it's good or bad. Friend, there is a judgment coming for us. Now, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, the text says that there, there's going to be some books opened and the dead will be judged out of those things which are written in the books. Come with me to the day of judgment. Come with Bill. Okay. I believe there's going to be a judgment. And I'm going to go. Now, I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus told me, He said, if you will be born again, and if you will accept me, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. He said, if you'll walk in me, with me, I will walk with you. So now I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the judgment. And when I get there, the books are going to be opened. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go with my friend, Jesus. My big friend. And I'm going to, I'm going to stand with him. And they're going to open the books. Now, in the book of Revelation chapter 2, Sardis is told that if, they, if you're come, I won't blot your name out of the book. So we say, well, when we get to the judgment, what's God going to do? He's going to open the book and he's going to look for, look for Bill's name. Okay, I expect my name to be there. Because Jesus said, if I overcome, he won't blot it out. But how about the good and the bad? In Acts chapter 3 at verse 19, we're told that those, that the promise that God made to those who believed in Jesus Christ was that He would blot out their sins. He would rub them out. He would uh, take away their sins. Chapter 3 verse 19 says, in Acts, it says, uh, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So now, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 says, blotting out the, the uh, transgressions that were against us and taking them out of the way, nailing them to the cross. So what I believe is, because I believe in Jesus Christ, is when he opens those books, he's going to look on the good side of the ledger, and he's going to see all the good things I did, and he's going to look on the other side of the ledger for the bad things, and somebody's erased them. Wait a minute. You mean Bill? He's not going to hold you responsible for the bad things you did? No, he's not if I'm in his son Jesus. Not going to be there. Well, what, if, what about someone who's not, who does not believe in Jesus? I'll tell you what's going to happen. He's going to open the book and here on the right side, or the left side, right side, is going to be the good deeds and the left side is going to be bad. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want God to be weighing, weighing me, the good against the bad. I don't want any bad to show up at all. And that's what He's promised me. 
He's promised me that he's blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against me. There's nothing there. How would you like to be in that situation? That's what I'm trying to be in. I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to stay with him. And I'm going to, when I go to the day of judgment with Jesus, and he opens the books, somebody's going to say, maybe one of the angels is going to say, Bill, <laughs> there's nothing here bad about you. It's not that I didn't do anything wrong. It's that Jesus erased it for me. He erased it for me. God help you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God. You do not want to stand in judgment without your Savior standing with you. You don't want to be there without that. If you need to make a decision for the Lord, make it now. Or whenever you get ready to make it, make it. And let me know and I'll help you come to that decision if you want. <laughs> Let's stand and sing the song that has been selected for us.